Time is around 1942. Place in Shanghai. Of course, Shanghai had the historical honor of being a miflad, a place of refuge for those running away from Soviet Russia, of course, Nazi Germany, and the war. And because of that, there was a confluence, uh, a mix of Jews which wouldn't necessarily see each other in normal times. Today, we're so used to going from one neighbor to another. You walk to my house, you can run past uh, American Yeshivish people, Dati Lumi people, Hasidish people, Ger, Bells. It used to be in Europe, there were places where you could, uh, Lithuanian place, you wouldn't ever see a Hasidish Yid. And so to the opposite, and Germans lived in their place. It's a nice thing about our times. So you've had interesting meetings that went on in Shanghai. And one was between the young Leibach. Leibach eventually became the Rashiva of Detroit. It was a God of Torah. He could do the pin trick. That means he could put a pin on any Masef. Then he could tell you what was on any Daf and Shas. Uh, something we don't push for in Chappelle's. If anybody's up for that, you should probably switch Yeshivas. Anyway, so... 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 You have to learn to be in also, because... Right? But... Um, and the uh, laybacks ran into a Hasidish Rebbe. I'm not sure, we don't know who there was. It could be the Amshin Avra was there, it might have been the Amshin Avra Rebbe. And the Amshin, this Rebbe said to him, Tell me, you know, I hear so much about Rabbi Yerucham Lubavitcher. Rabbi Yerucham had passed away about seven, eight years before, 1936. Famed Mashkiach in the mirror, one of the lights of the Musar movement. Tell me a Tartar of his, tell me a Shtikl of his, tell me a, a Mimer of his. So Rebbe launched into a brilliant discourse that he had heard from Rabbi Yerucham about the lower meters of man, about man's uh, foibles and struggles, etc. And the Rebbe said to him, absolute brilliance, amazing. But me when I see them, it's different. I try to take them to a high place. Imagine a marshal of a building or a hotel. And from that high place, you see a, a vast horizon. And you don't see all the garbage. Every place, you know. That's a famous picture. You show the slums with the Congress and the behind it and Eiffel Tower behind the uh, the rickshaw. Mixed cultures there a little bit. That's what he said. And her blade was an Ishamist, and he spoke to Sirius Yid, and he was wondering about this. And it bothered him. You know, why Why in the in Rebuchum's world, in the world of Musa, are they speaking about the lower aspects of man, bad this things like that, bad tendencies? What's up? So he went to the Mashkiach of Mir then, who was Rukhatska Levinstein, and he asked him, and he told him the whole... Whole story. And Rav Chatzkel said, go back to the Rebbe and tell him about Sasson's house. Tell him about Sasson's house. Hmm. What was Sasson's house? Mr. Sasson, family, Sasson family was a wealthy family. There were Jews before the refugees in Shanghai. He was one of them, a wealthy Jew. And as often happens, people want to build, who live in the cities, want to build a bigger place, have to go to the burbs. So he went to the burbs of Shanghai to build himself a mansion. He built himself a mansion. That's one problem with the mansion. It was built on a landfill. Everybody knows what a landfill is? A landfill is a place where you put lots and lots of garbage, and you cover it up with things on the outside, and you you could plant on it, put grass on it, and then you build on it. And this is what Mr. Sasson did. And eventually, though, the house started sinking. When I was younger in Asbury Park, we had something. We had a uh, Bruce Springsteen fame. We had, uh, we had, I started Cohen, but, uh, I kind of went there. I went to the, I went to the amusement park. And the amusement park that had a, had a, 
had a room that slipped. He could use the sponge right away. Sponge. That's what happened to Mrs. Hassan's house. So he was saying that if you don't deal with the lower parts of man, that's what's going to happen. Now, I love sharing this story because it highlights a lot of what the Muslim movement was about. Honesty, a true facing of self, the higher and lower elements of man. And of course, Hasidus also had these elements, but the, but the emphasis is definitely different. I share this story by way of introduction and to the continue the theme of the last one, which is about Rabbi Sol Salanter, but I don't, want, I don't want to talk about Rabbi Salanter historically himself today. I want to give a more rounded picture of what his movement was and is all about. But most important, of course, not the history, but how it relates to us, and hopefully we'll have some real takeaways that we can apply to our lives. We're going to speak about three things. We're going to speak about Musa learning, Musa thinking, and Musa living. Musa learning. Let's talk about that first. What was the Chiddush of Rabbi Salanter in learning Musa? The Grah already mentions learning Musa Svarm. I think the Mishabur quotes him, brings him. The Mzil Sharm existed, not hundreds, but a few good, a few hundred years, 150 or so years before Rabbi Salanter came onto the scene. All the more so the Chovas Alavavas, which is an ancient saber, Rishonim, Shari Tshuva, Rabbein Yona, Orchus Sadiqim, Rishis Chachma, there are many, many Svarm. So what exactly was Rabbi Salanta doing different than everybody else? So I want to talk about two chidushim. There are two central things, I think. Could be there more. One was the idea of being very, very kavua, of being very, very set about it. Many yeshivas, classical yeshivas, have a half-hour day set time to learn musr. Many yeshivas at the end of the second seder, 7.30. There are yeshivas which will even make an extra daily seder during Elul, have two, one in the morning, one at night. To the gravitas of the days, Yom Noroyim, awesome days coming. And this, of course, was the expense of regular learning. Good old Gemara. And this, I think, I'm not an expert on this, but was the biggest point of conflict between Rabbi Salanter and other Gedolim at this time. Including, at least at a certain point, notably Rukhaim Brisker, great Rukhaim Salavechi, the one who revolutionized learning. Musil Sharm is nice, for sure. If you have a problem, look it up. Are you going to stop in the middle of the Taishvist? Are you crazy? Not finish the Sugya? Another 15 minutes, you'll wrap it all together and figure out the Nikudas and Machlokas, the point of departure between Rashi, if you're in the Shirm, which learn Rashi, Tosis, if you're in the Shirm, which learn Tosis. What? Can't do that. And I think Rabbi Searle would answer that. We are crazy. If in earlier generations one could get everything they needed out of Shas, we aren't on that level anymore. And the Eitzah Hara by that time had developed some great tricks, and they need new weapons. The fighting and learning, I mean real warfare, and Slobodka was fierce. Rizal himself writes in his letters, a person has to learn with gifting, with venom. It's a shame when someone gets offended, the second his Chavrusov raises his voice to him. That's how you're supposed to learn. You're supposed to, be, you're supposed to learn, you're supposed to matter. People in uh, Oxford used to throw chairs at each other over Milton. What's the difference if Milton meant, meant this or that? Has Paradise lost the Zoya or Zoya? Did you lose it this way or that way? Who cares? And they throw chairs about that. About a toast, you can't throw a chair? Okay, maybe not in our yeshiva, but... <laughs> but if a rabbi? Okay. And the great young geniuses in Slobodka, and they were there. Ravine Cutler, Chatzkel Sarna, Yaka Kamenetsky... Aaron Gudzinski, they're all there and they're battling it out. 
But when Musa Seder came, the Alter would give a club, a club on the Bima. Now it's Musa Seder. Stop. And by the way, historically, there were literally rebellions in yeshivas over things like this. Chavetz Chaim writes that by his time already, everybody agreed with Rabbi Salanter, saw the wisdom of his ways. And as we mentioned last time, Yisrael and his Talmidim really saved the Shivas and all Klai Yisrael from the nefarious effects of the Askala. And Rabbi Yisrael's plan wasn't just for the Yeshivas. He had a plan for the Yeshivas. And he was successful in that. But he wanted and planned that Bali Batim, all over the Jewish people and women, would learn Musr also. And he had this idea called a Beis Musr. A few of them still exist. At least in Yerushalayim, a house of Musr, where a person can go and learn Musr and study and think about himself and think about this form. Actual physical spaces dedicated to the study of Musr. Some of the Bali Muslims themselves would be involved in Musr for hours a day, not just half an hour. Rishra was once asked by someone, I only have 15 minutes a day, what should I do? Should I learn Musr or should I learn Gemara? That's a good question. So Rishra said, learn Musr, because if you learn Musr, you'll find more time than 15. So this is our first practical takeaway. To try to set up a daily time to learn Musr. When one's in yeshiva, a person has certain possibilities. But out of yeshiva also has its possibilities. Sometimes maybe advantages. You're on the train that time, etc. And it doesn't have to be half an hour a day, of course. Speaking to our generation. From Nassim Svi Finkel, the famous Roshiva in the Mir, when I was in the Mir, suggested, I think, that Rechem, they should learn Musr at night with their wives for... How many minutes? Guess. Three guesses. Two. Two. Five minutes. Five. Anybody else? <laughs> okay. Seven. Seven. That's what I'm not supposed to be Have a seven-minute Seder at night with your wife. That's a practical person. Must feel a practical person. <laughs> Some people might find the daily doesn't work for them a few times a week. But that's that's definitely... A chiddush. The Muslim Islam always existed, but the idea of making something kavua, something central, something that deserves its time at the expense of other things was definitely one of his chiddushim and one of the contested chiddushim. <coughs> the second chiddush that I want to talk about was his method. The writes to learn b'sfasayim dokos v'nefesh tuga. A lot of misunderstanding comes out of these words, which means literally lips on fire and a sorrowful soul. She learn Musa with lips on fire. Svasaim dokot, svasaim dokot. V'nefesh tuga, a sorrowful soul. That's where all the jokes come in. There were many old yeshivas that, that, that in Eretz Yisrael still that Bachman would cry during Musa Seder, literally. I don't want to focus on that method specifically, which is very far from us, me personally. But I want to explain the why. Why did Rabbi Salanter advise to learn Musa in that way? And why was this something that was done by hundreds and thousands of yeshiva students for a long time? And in the why, we can and have to apply it ourselves. So listen well. Some see Rabbi Salanter, the books written about, as the first psychologist and a forerunner to Freud. I mean in Freud's good ideas. Rabbi Yisrael was very, very interested, concerned, worried about how to get ideas, not just at the conscious level, how to speak to the lower self, how to speak to the subconscious. Because that's where so much of the battle exists. As we mentioned in our review of the Altar of Kelm, such an unbelievable shot last time, that the Seichel understands everything and wants to be good. 
What's worthwhile? A hamburger or a tosis? Netflix or a Rashi? Being good to people or being nasty to people? Holding on to grudges or letting go of them? The Seichel gets it right away. But the lower parts of man don't get it. The child in man doesn't get it. The subconscious doesn't get it. The body. The goofy goofers of Noah would say he doesn't get it. Yosef said to his brothers, Atem chashavtem alay velokim You thought bad of me. But God made it good. And the altar asked a question which I had never seen before. The second part we understand, that was Yosef attaching to the great Amuna. Who's moving the whole world for Klaius, who bring me to Mitzrayim, or that you would have a place in Mitzrayim, or we're going to get out of Mitzrayim, then we'll get the Torah. But what's the first part? You thought it was going to be bad, and it came out good. Remember we said the two versions? What's the American version? What's the Israeli version? Na na. The kush kush, and the American version is? Na 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 na. Does he say na 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 na? Na 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 kush kush? What was he doing? The answer was yes, he was doing that. But not to his brothers, to himself. He wanted to get the message across to himself. Yosef Atzadik! Not to teach the Doris. Not as a lesson to us, for himself. Yosef was worried. He didn't want to hold on to a little bit of a taina. He knew bad how taina's bad were. He knew bad how grudges destroy people. He knew how people waste their old age just thinking about this thing and that thing and not going forward in life and blaming this one and blaming that one and the whole civilization is blaming themselves. Victim, victim, victim. The whole world breaks down to victims. And You see where it goes. Sickness. Craziness. Yosef didn't want any of that himself. So he did a nana to himself. Look, they thought bad to me and it came out good. I don't have to let go. I can let go of that. Because we all have a very selfish part of ourselves. And we all have a part of ourselves which hates responsibility, idealism. Loves to be cynical and angry at others. That's why we need Michelle not to just get ideas clearer. To, to speak to all of ourselves. Be inclusive. We want our body and our subconscious to say, I get it, not just our seichel. And the lower self is who Bistro was trying to bring on board with those lips of fire. That's the point. I get it. They were brilliant people. David Mofshevitz was one of the greatest Elohim in Europe. The one who brought Kelm to its demise at the hands of the Nazis with Simcha. They say this is big and evil as we saw as Ervarin Cutler. Daniel. Gershom Maidanik. These are brilliant people. But they were talking to their whole self. They were smarter. And Rabbi said, if we learn Musa like that, we charge ourselves up, we get moved by the ideas, they'll make an impression. And that's why the real Bali Musa and Bali Musa today, which I do not consider myself part of, won't miss a day of Musa. Because the impressions on that lower self need to be made daily to make their mark. Rabbi Akiva saw the hole in the rock. And he said, how could it be that soft water makes a mark on mighty rock? It's only because many, 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 many impressions. And the naked eye doesn't see the effect of any of them. But you come back years later, and there's a hole in the rock. A little bit. Constantly, consistently is where the difference is. Every small impression makes a very small dent. And that's why it needs to be with some consistency. Ashray is someone who can learn in this way today, whether it's in the consistency, whether it's in the method. It's not so practical for us. Let's try to bring it down to our terms. 
So realistically, what does this mean to us? So Revolba, the greatest Balmus of the last generation, the one who certainly had the greatest impact, it was a surprising impact. His name was Willie Wolby in the mirror. No one believed he would be the one. He wasn't from the Dolly Talmudim in the mirror. He became the person. He says, if you're learning a Musa Sefer and a certain line grabs you and moves you, don't move. Don't leave it. Act as if you're standing on a landmine. For how long? As long as it moves you. No reason to move on. It's moving you, let it move you. That's what we're looking for, to be moved by ideas. A certain Godel, I'll name her name, remain nameless, learned the whole Masil Sharm in one night. A famous Godel, name everybody knows. So my Rebbe Rulite there, with Tawellas commented to me that that was his Maiva, his great level, that he could he could access all the ideas of Masil Sharm one night, but that was also his Chisar and his downside, because he thought that's how he learned Masil Sharm. A bad characteristic. You can learn Masil Sharm to. Get through it and learn its ideas. But then you're reasonably learning more as a machshava sefer, Jewish philosophy sefer, which, by the way, it's great as. But you want, if you want to engage with it as a musr sefer, you need to imbibe it and be moved by it. The Hasidish Rebbe's know this too. There's a beautiful story about the Shinever. It was mentioned on Shabbos from this very place. Cheskel Shinev, first son of the Divrei Chaim. He learned, once sat and learned, and learned the Mishnah and others for a whole hour. There's the Rav there, who saw him learning for a whole hour. He says, Rebbe, what are you doing? I give Shir on a whole parak in an hour. And you're learning one Mishnah in an hour? What's going on? Maybe I'll teach you the parak. It'll go a little faster. He didn't know he was. He says, no, no. It's a different thing. You're teaching a parak. You're learning, you're learning the ideas of others. You can get it across in one hour, a whole parak. I'm Vashivosa Lavecha. I'm trying to bring it into myself. It takes me a whole hour to one, one Mishnah. So that's our second takeaway. To be engaged with a Musa Svarm, a Hasidish Svarm, whatever Svarm we learn, in a way of Hashibos Alavacha. How am I going to get these ideas into myself? How am I going to be moved by these, moved by these ideas? And as I mentioned in my Savior, it's very good for remembering also. So that was two ideas about Musa learning. Let's talk about Musa thinking. What was the mindset? Rabbi Yisrael and his Talmidim, and his Talmidim, Talmidim, emphasized to a very, very great extent the idea of self-knowledge, of understanding humanity, understanding ourselves. Understanding the human condition, like that word of Yosef, the way people work, and understanding the way they themselves personally work. The Torah, which is the blueprint of creation, obviously the blueprint of man, the pinnacle of creation, is of course replete with a real picture of what man is. And a real picture of what Yisrael is. And a real picture of what Elohim Torah is. His greatness, his lowliness, and everything in between. But one needs to be interested in and mine the Torah for those things. One can be deeply involved in Torah. In Gemara, in Halacha, in Ashkafa, in Kabbalah. But not in this. See that. I personally think this is one of the great problems of our generation. It's my own personal thing. Many Talmidei Chavim extend their reach past Gemara and Halacha, but more and more go to Hasidus and Kabbalah and Machshava and Maral, and very few are really interested in this part of the Torah. 
And challenging times like this, we need people who are involved in that. To help us understand not what just what the Torah is, the grandeur, the beauty, the depth of the Torah. But how is the Torah speaking to us? Lo us! The Dora Ekev, the heel. Ikvas of the Mashiach, we're in Ekev. 2024. Tavshin Pei How do we attach these high ideas to ourselves? Rabbi Rucham would say, the Rashiva quotes, I to the person who doesn't know his bad midas, because he doesn't have to work on. But oi vav oi, to the person who doesn't know his good midas, because he doesn't know the kalim, the instruments, the force that he has to fix himself. Rabbi Sorrel wasn't well one time. And uh, a certain Torah source connects his illness, I forgot whether it was a cold, to stubbornness. There's a passage which connected illness and, and stubbornness. Rabbi spent the whole day thinking about himself. If he has any bit of stubbornness in him, all day, because of this Makar. It says that when you have this illness, you're stubborn. It's a sign of stubbornness. Maybe I'm stubborn. And he thought, and he thought. By the way, stubbornness is part of Gaiva. People think, no, nah, not about Gaiva, I'm stubborn. Stubbornness is Gaiva. That's what Rishro says. I want to share another story of the Shinnever to introduce the next idea. You know, once I came, came to again, this is a Hasidic Rabbi, or Rav, to ask him to write a letter of recommendation about a shidduch he wanted for a child. But the other family lived in a far-off place, and they know him, so he figured if he had a letter from the Shinnever, that would do the trick. So the Shinnever said, I'll write the letter, come back tomorrow. So the Fyodor came back the next day, and the Shinnever said, I have no letter for you. The person was upset. Now he noticed that when he left, one Moshe Yosef, Teitelbaum, came to the Shinnever right afterwards. So this he had said, I know what happened. Moshe Yosef Teitelbaum said something not nice to me, and that changed the Shinnever from writing a letter he was going to write. So yeah, what could he do? So he went into the Shinnever and he said, I know what happened. Yesterday the Rebbe told me he was going to write the letter. By the time I got here, he's not writing a letter. And Moshe Yosef Teitelbaum was in the middle. The Shinnever said, what are you talking about? Moshe Yosef said nothing to me. Now listen to this. Incredible. I'll tell you what happened. The second you told me about the Shidduch, I thought it's not a good Shidduch for you. Remember, what did he say? I'm going to write the letter, remember? But immediately I thought it was not a, it was not a good Shidduch. But what? I don't like writing letters. And I was worried I had a Nagia, a proclivity, a bias against writing letters. I don't like writing letters. I like talking on the phone. People don't like this. Not to be down myself then, right? I'm sure he had high reason not to like writing letters. I'm just lazy. So, so he doesn't like writing. He doesn't like writing letters. So I was worried that the reason I thought it was a bad shidduch is because I didn't want to write the letter. So I wrote the letter. Here it is. But I'm telling you, it's a bad shidduch. <laughs> So part of the self-knowledge that the, that the, that the Musar thinking emphasizes is this knowledge of Nagias, bias and proclivity. So much of life we see through that, through our lens. It's not a hashkafa. Darkino means I have a hashkafa, a true Torah way of looking at things. Not my biases and my proclivity. I'll give a few examples. If Rucham said, a person says, why am I doing something? You know, cover the Torah, cover the Torah, cover the Torah. And he blink a few times, cover that to me. Right? I'm doing it for the honor Torah. In the blink of an eye, turned into myself. For a moment, it was yourself. For a moment, you're worried about the Torah. Very quick, very soon, it changes to yourself. So many people, something I realized, that people define people by their experiences. 
If he's nice to me, that defines him as nice. If he's nice, not nice to me, it defines him as not nice. I'll tell you a secret. There are people who are very, very nice, and for some reason weren't nice to you, or they had a good reason. But you define them that way? I know people who were nice to me that were wicked people. They ended up in jail. Really, literally. But he was nice to me, so he's a nice guy. A lot of psychologists and psychiatrists that this guy put in, that this guy made Parnassa for don't think he's a nice guy. A lot of people damaged by him don't think he's a nice guy. So the fact that he was nice to me doesn't mean he's a nice guy. And so it's the other way. There could be someone who's very, very nice, and something happened. You know, a Rebbe could be very nice to someone. One of the dangers of my job, you say something not nice to a guy one time, whoop, you're gone. People are nice. Dachinom is a nice institution. We're nice to people, nice to everybody. Something happens sometimes, boom, finished. That's, you're just defining everything according to yourself. Chaim Velazhin says, The honor of your friend should be chavim to you like it is to your yourself. That literally means, you know, the same way. Chaim says amazing insight. He says, when it comes to our own cover, we always think we're not getting enough. When it comes to other people, we always think they're getting too much. He says, have a fair barometer. Judge it fairly. Machlokis. There is such a thing as Machlokis Hashem Shemayim. Mishnahis talk about it. But so quickly, it descends into personalities and personal feelings. Dalton Kelm said, Machlokis Hashem Shemayim is for five minutes. After that, there was a Machlokis in Kelm between Rabchatzkel, I think, or Gersh Maidanik, I forgot. Another place would have been destroyed. They were Bali Musser. They disagreed. It would And they went their other way. They went their separate ways. They, they disagreed. But it's not. You can have a Machlokis. Generally, obviously, one needs to be careful about saying that Lashem Shemayim. You show so sure you Lashem Shemayim. That's it. No, you weren't involved. So that was a little bit about Musa thinking. We discussed Musa learning. We discussed Musa thinking. Just a little bit about Musa living. I want to add something? <clears throat> we spoke last time about the great emphasis that Rabbi Sorol and his Talmudim put on Ben Amlachavero, <laughs> using your mind not just for carefulness and Hilfah Shabbos and Hilfah Kashrus. But in being a good person, in being mechadish, ways to be nice, and being mechadish, ways to be careful from being not nice. And some people have naturally more like this, naturally like that. has nothing to do with it. Just like we don't naturally keep Shabbos. <coughs> but I want to focus for a moment that I want to spoke about for a long time. Not because it's no gay to the yeshiva, but because it's no gay to the world, a little bit, and we're part of the world. Something called derech eretz. Derech eretz. Yes, let's define Derek Heretz. It's good for me to sit down and define it. Acting, I would say the definition of Derek Heretz is acting in a basically proper way. Proper way to act, usually in regards to others. Things like respecting elders. Having that sense. Older people. An older person. Deserves respect. Being aware of one's surroundings. Acting, speaking, and dressing the part. How you dress is also part of Derek Heretz. A leading Rosh Hashiva said recently, every two or three years he sees that the derech, level of Derek Haritz in the Yeshiva goes down. I won't say which one, but I heard this from a reliable source, a student of this. Every two or three years it goes down. So I want to share a few examples of things I see, not in Yeshiva, but I see this all the time. Someone comes late to davening. Okay. Maybe that's not Derek Haritz. I don't talk about that. But the Tzibur gets the Shimon Esri. What happens when the Tzibur gets the Shimon Esri? They're davening. How are they davening? Quietly. And the guy's davening, Birchus Kriyashma, out loud. I can't understand it. You come late to davening, you want to interrupt people? It's incredible to me. You don't get it? Like, 
you came late. Okay, it's your business. You work it out. I also come late sometimes. Are you making noise? Someone comes five minutes late. Psukim de Zimra wants to say Kaddish. The Tiber's in the middle. The Tiber's in the middle of Psukim de Zimra. Wake up early tomorrow. You say Kaddish here. For your father doesn't have to mashim. You think it's good discourse for your father? You're being interrupting everybody. You need stuck. You wake. So you're in the middle of Birchus Krishma. Someone sticks his hand in front of you. It's not there. It hurts. A person opens a window. Legitimate. I always open windows. Someone else closed the window shut. He wants a window open. He wants it shut. Work it out, you know? Why is it either open or closed? There's no no middle ground. There's no, no thing about each other. <coughs> Time is short, friends. It's not there, hurts to keep everybody from lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to mention one final aspect. And I need physics and all these things. Obviously, I'm just talking together with everybody about Muslim living, is having a cheshbon and nefesh. And examine life. Cheshbon ha-nefesh. To think about your ways. Time to evaluate. Everyone who engages in this, even a little bit, realizes how beneficial it is. There are people who do a daily cheshbon and nefesh. I think my father's, my, my, my rabbi, Rablachman's father, Yitzchak, used to do a cheshbon and nefesh every night. Some weekly, some monthly, Chodesh, some less than that. But not just during the Yom Narayim. A whole year go by. That's the way of Ben Torah. I'll figure it out in Elul. I'm making mistakes now. Tshuva is a mitzvah for us. I tshuva. Everybody has to think about their ways. Spend some time in a slow time. You see bad things. You see good things. You make corrections. I'll make corrections. But to be engaged in that. <laughs> good businesses do that. That should be the most obvious thing in the world. That a person takes time to... Too busy learning and davening to think about what I'm doing. That's obviously another aspect of Muslim living. So, friends, all these things together, Muslim learning, Muslim thinking, Muslim living, can hopefully help us in these weeks build our Mishkan and be the Bnei Torah we want to be. Amen.